Welcome back to the Steel Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, the show where we take a deep dive into the scores, the stats, the standings, and everything MLB with your hosts Asher Cohn and Amar Brown. It's a steal, so let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is week three of our second season, and while the season is still in lockout and no new signings are occurring, we're still coming to you with content, and today we have a few pretty exciting segments lined up. Um, If you listened to last episode, you know we started to do drafts, uh, and we're going to do another draft today. Last one we did a best potential team draft, and we're doing a similar one, except we're taking players who had at least 100 plate appearances last season and who had a war under 1.0 or equal to 1.0, and we're drafting one of those players per position in an attempt to get the highest cumulative war next season. So basically any player that was not great last season that had a low war is on the table, and we're drafting players that we hope did not do well but will do well this season. But in order to decide who picks first, if you watch, listen to last episode, then you know we're going to play a friendly game, a not-so-friendly game of rock, paper, scissors. So first to three, last time Omrit won. And if you win, you get to choose if you want the first or second pick. And it's going to be a snake draft in the first round. So the person with the first pick gets the first pick. Next person gets the second and third. And then it alternates from there on out. Let's get it underway. First round of rock, paper, scissors. And we're playing online. Oh, that's and- a dub. That's rock. Let's go. Rock over scissors. This is going to be oh, a sweep, actually, right here. Oh, no. 2-0. I, you guys don't know, but I beat him five five rounds out of seven last night. It was easy. Like okay, that was I was letting him win. I'm down 2 nothing, but this is where I strive. Okay. <laughs> Three out of him. I'm a rock, paper, scissors god. Um. This is actually a kind of interesting scenario here. I think I know what's going to happen, but I really don't. So I, I'm going to take uh, the second pick. So I'm going to get the second and third and then the fifth, seventh from there on. So let's see what Asher does with his first pick. I think I know where he's going, but he could have totally faked me out with this. So um, That's interesting. So I, I did not expect to get this first overall pick. And, well, you would lose rock, paper, scissors. Well, yeah, so that's why I didn't expect to get the first overall pick. Um, but what I will say is that I'm happy to have it because it makes my life a bit easier. And I, I'm going here just because I think it's the obvious choice. Honestly, I this could win me the draft in itself. I'm going to third base. You knew it was coming. And I'm going Anthony Rendon, all right? Rendon, while there is not a ton of drop-off at the third base position, it was one of those positions where I saw multiple good players to pick. Anthony Rendon had an off year. You look at his statistics, he was probably the best player on this board. And if I had to make an educated guess, he battled through injuries. He's going to be healthy and have another great season. So Anthony Rendon, no doubt, won overall. Yeah, so this was a massive look of relief on my face right now because I know I'm about to get the actual best player in this draft, and this is why I let Asher have the first pick. This is this is easy for me. Aloy Jimenez, I think he barely crossed the 100-plate appearance threshold we have right here. 
and he got close to a one war. So, I mean, he's, he's in my opinion, the best hitter on this list easily. And he plays in a loaded offense also, although that won't affect his war. But, yeah, that, that one was easy for me. And then um, this is where I'm going to go for potential, my second pick a little bit more. I am going to go ahead and take the guy who, when he came up for his second stint in the major leagues, was a whole lot better, Jared Kalenic for the Mariners. So I've got two outfielders done. And, yeah, those were the guys one and two on my list. So I will certainly take it. Yeah, that actually really sucks because both guys were on my board, obviously. Jared Kalenic, I he was my next pick if you didn't take him. Um, ah, that's frustrating. The, the thing is, is that, you know, with this stake draft, the first draft we did, we did it where I would get two picks. We changed it because that was a little weird. So now I get one, and I'm realizing going first is kind of a – Kind of not a great spot to be in. My outfield board is thin, but I think at this point, because you've already taken two outfielders, I, I have to go elsewhere. And I, I'm doing this just because I think this is one of the weaker positions, and I think bounce back is likely to happen. So I'm, I'm going to do this just to snake you. I'm going catcher, and I'm going Christian Vasquez. Oh, man, that makes me a little bit happier because he wasn't even first on my catcher's list. Well, that's the wrong call. Listen, if you break down Christian Vasquez's stats season to season, yes, he struggled last year, but previous to that, he looked good. Catcher position is weak. I think no matter where you go, you're going to be disappointed here. You probably have a guy, and I probably know who it is, actually, but I'm not worried about it. Okay, so this this is coming much more interesting now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put Cody Bellinger at first base. Wow, this that's the worst pick of the draft, Armin. I don't think so. That's the worst pick of the draft. No, nah, it's going to happen. He's not even on my board. Walk me through oh, this. Oh, what? Game. You didn't put Bellinger on your board? Not on my board. Walk me through this selection. Okay, so obviously we're doing bounce back seasons here, right? And obviously he's not necessarily competing for the NL MVP again next season, but he's a major league hitter. Certainly, there's a hole in his swing that some the, the pitchers have found, but that's that's something you fix when you're coming off a season where you were, I think he was second in the MVP voting two, three years ago. Like this is this is something that you completely overcome, and there's no risk without some type of award. So if I'm going to go ahead and take my risk, I want it to be from a guy that was a former. MVP competitor. I, I see no reason that this is a bad pick, although I'm disappointed that he wasn't on your board. Listen, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Just the key word is bounce back, and I just don't think well, that's this is all happen. bounce back, right? None of these guys had above a one war last season. There are yeah, a few guys that had 100 plate appearances because of injuries, and that's it. I, I hear that, but what I'm saying is that I just don't think he's going to be a great player. I, I think he had his breakout seasons. He had two great years back to back and he got figured out and that's okay. And I don't see him having a great season, but I understand the risk because it is high risk, high reward. If he can get back to form, obviously that's a great pick, but I, I see it first base off the board for you. So I get to avoid that category for now. Um, leaves me in a tough position here. I'm going to either go, Obviously, second or shortstop here. I could go outfield, but at this point, 
I'd rather go second short because I just feel like the two best outfielders are off the board anyway. Probably, you know what? Ah, this is a tough, this is a tough one here. I feel like short middle infield is a bit tricky to pick from. I don't like my shortstop board. I like my second base board. And you know what? I'm gonna go here second base because I think this guy can turn it around. He's got he's got good plate discipline. I'm going second base, I'm going Jeff McNeil. Okay, that's that's fine by me again. He wasn't even my first option at second base, so again, I'll take it any day of the week. And so that that now we're going into the draft strategy part of this that I find pretty interesting. Um Asher's gone ahead and taken a second baseman, a catcher, and a um, what was it? It was a third baseman. Third baseman. So I'm not going to take any of those positions. I automatically get it. So I think I think it's time to go for a shortstop because I've taken outfield and first base. And there's a guy who only had 136 plate appearances and did put up a .6 WAR last season. Um, I was mass. I was pretty high on him for at least fantasy baseball purposes, although not as high as other people have been. And that's Adalberto Mondesi. And um. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take him at short. And, yeah, I, I really like that pick, especially in a Royals offense that I think is going to be better this year. Yeah, that's a good pick. He wasn't my my top overall at shortstop, but shortstop's where I lack. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the guys I have there anyway. Um, I'm not really going to argue that pick. My, my next, where I am going here, and at this point – I might as well go outfield as all the other positions are taken. That being said, not a huge fan of my board without Eloy and Kalenic. It was it was smart to snatch those guys up. I am gonna take this guy because I'm on the fence. I think I like his bat. I think he can hit the ball. You know, he's had some hot streaks in in his first couple of seasons, and he should be in a slightly better lineup, which should give him more pitches to hit. I'm taking Anthony Santander. I I don't know if it's going to pan out, but I think offensively he could turn it around. Obviously, he didn't have a great season. That's why he's on the board in the first place, but he's young. And, you know, either he stays on the Orioles and gets some help around him, or the Orioles continue to suck, and he does as well. It's hard to say, but locking in Anthony Santander is my first outfielder. Yeah, so he was actually my fifth outfielder on my board. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go back to the player that I am pretty high on actually at this point for outfield. It's it's getting really thin. The only other one I have on there is a guy I'm not I'm even less proud of. So I I realize now it's much more difficult than I anticipated at the start when I started doing my research. So I'm gonna go with Kyle Lewis, another outfielder for Seattle. 2020, he was pretty close for Rookie of the Year, struggled at the end, but he only had 147 plate appearances last year because of injury, and they're going ahead and projecting him to get 571 next year, so I will certainly take that, and Kyle Lewis, so my almost totally Mariners outfield, I really like that. Yeah, you got you got a nice little chemistry going there. Um, now, you know, I'm in a tricky spot because... You've taken your three outfielders, so I can take for value at this point. Um, doesn't really matter the next order I select. I still need my first baseman, and I still need my 
shortstop. So and one out and two outfielders. Um, that being said, I'm gonna go. I think you know why not just pick one. I'm gonna go to first base. Here, I'm on the fence because I'm between a few guys. I'm between, and I'll just say it. You can't pick them. I'm between Luke Voigt, Trey Mancini. Um, although you know he doesn't. He he plays a bit of first base. Miguel Sano, who I might take as a DH because we're playing the first base DH, and G-Man Choi, all guys who have shown potential in the past and struggled, but because I'm a Yankee through and through, and because I believe in my guys, I'm gonna back Luke Voigt out of the first base position. Man, I I could have I could have imagined you saying just out of that situation, I'm a Yankee through and through, and therefore I'm taking G-Man Choi, his biggest. <laughs> Rival in the division there, her second biggest, obviously. Um, but yeah, I understand that he again isn't on my board because Mancini and the uh was on it, and it's just occurred to me at when I was picking Bellinger that I could stick him at first, so that's why. But then again, so now at this point, we're we've basically canceled out all the positions, I can go wherever I want with no repercussions, but I still think that I'll just, for the sake of the draft, I'm going to take best available uh, at a spot that I can play and go ahead and say David Fletcher. And now I know the war might not be outstanding from him this year, but if he comes in and hits 330 like I know he can, and he definitely will with his contact percentage, that'll be a solid 2.53 war, hopefully, and I will take that improvement for him. So David Fletcher at second base. Yeah, fair enough. David Fletcher was was an option there for me, but like Jeff McNeil, I here I'm gonna go shortstop. Um, frankly, because I have no idea where I'm going for my next couple of outfielders. Uh, did not anticipate this playing out exactly like it has, but I'm going shortstop here, and I'm gonna take a guy that honestly I have no idea how he's gonna perform. I'm pulling him up right now just so I can make sure I get his stats right. I was looking at it earlier when I was making my board. And he's shown potential in the past. He's been a guy that has drawn trade potential. I think he can get back to old form. He had a couple breakout seasons. He's he's getting to the older side now, though. I'm taking Andrelton Simmons. We saw sparks of him in 2018. as was his most recent really successful season. But, you know, 2020, he batted 297, so he can still hit the ball. He just had a really tough 2021 season, hoping he can bounce back at shortstop. Yeah, I don't I, I don't even know where Andrewton Simmons is anymore. But I do seem to remember that sort of outlier season. And, of course, in war, there's defensive parts incorporated. So if he plays enough games at shortstop, that could significantly affect his war to the positive, which makes him a pretty good pick, actually. Just something I didn't consider until I heard the name. But then again, I'm going to go to my pick here. Um, I'll go Alec Bohm at third base. And this guy I've been high on for forever. And I believe he was hurt for part of the season last year. But he, he disappointed me, disappointed my fantasy teams. But I, I'm, I'm seeing a back, bounce back season. I'm seeing a better Phillies roster. So I'll take him for my second to last pick. Yeah, now I believe I filled up my board except for my two outfielders. So this is where the board is thin. 
I'm going to go a guy that really isn't an outfielder but qualifies because he played some outfield last season as a bit of a utility position. Um, and the main reason I'm taking this guy is I think he'll get at-bats. And, you know, people were hot at, on him as a youngster, and it hasn't fully panned out yet, but he's he's still young, still got time. So I'm taking Kavon Biggio here. Yes, he we don't know exactly where he's going to play, but he did play a bit of right field last season. So I will be able to take him as my second outfielder. Okay. Um, I actually like that pick. I think he's protected in that really, really good lineup. So it's going to be a pitcher's going to be getting down to him at the bottom of the lineup and take a sigh of relief only to have him hit 290 on him maybe if he plays to his potential. So, yeah, I, I actually I, I'll, I'll agree with that pick for, for once. Um, and then all I have left is my catcher. And then I know I've been mentioning my fantasy teams. This guy actually won me a championship pretty much last year. He's a rookie catcher for the Tigers, which isn't necessarily always a recipe for this for success. But I will take Eric Haas as my last player. I truly believe in him. And I think if he gets all the opportunities that uh, he did last year, plus the ones for having proven himself as a rookie, he could totally have a 2, 2.5-plus war and even break into the top 10 catchers in Major League Baseball, which is not an amazingly difficult feat with there only being 10 catchers that consistently start for their teams. Interesting. Interesting. I think he wasn't he wasn't a guy I was eyeing a ton. I feel like I'm surprised he was your number one in that category over Vasquez. But, you know, as a rookie, you never know. It, it does bring some excitement as a young player. So I won't I won't hate the pick just because I don't know a ton about him. And that that's the main that's the main thing. So for my final pick here to round out my team, which you know I'm I'm mixed about, but I'm feeling pretty good. I, I got a lot of the guys I targeted. I'm taking a guy who just hasn't had a lot of MLB at bats, so he hasn't been able to prove himself, but he, he did have 140 at bats, which means he just passed the hundred bat. Plate appearance, um, he's really young, and that means, you know, sky's the limit. He, he produced in the minor leagues. He's on a team surrounded by talent, which means if he gets his opportunity, he's going to be somebody you pitch to in the lineup because you're going to try and avoid other guys. I'm going Joe Adele. I think as an angel, you know, that lineup is due, and – Maybe some young talent, if they're if they're still struggling, will get more and more opportunities into the season as they try and find answers to problems that they've had in the past. So I think he'll have his opportunity to play, and I think in that lineup he could get some favorable pitching. Yeah, I agree, and I actually think he he was leading the minor leagues in home runs for forever last season. It didn't really work out when he came up to the major leagues at the end of the season, but it's never easy to hit major league pitching. Um, he was actually the last outfielder on my list for worst case scenario. So I, I'll take that pick. I'll agree with it. And I think that that outfield with Joe Adele, Mike Trout, and potentially at some point Shohei Otani in a few games could look really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that Angels lineup? It's, it seems like they've got some young talent. Obviously, they've got Trout, Otani, and Rendon. We'll talk about them more in future episodes, but just answer the simple question. Are they finally due? The Angels will not make the playoffs this year. They will, in fact, not even finish in the top two in their division. Wow. Um, 
yeah, although I do I do take them to finish with a winning record, I think that you put two of the top, as we'll see in my in another segment coming up soon, two of the top ten baseball players, um, and, and I can tell you they're not in the bottom five um, in the league, and it's not a playoff team because the pitching isn't there. And we talked about Rendon, we talked about Adele, but the rest of the lineup just doesn't seem like it's ready yet. Even David Fletcher at the start and Justin Upton at the end, the out, the lineup hasn't worked. And of course we haven't seen Trout and Otani at their peaks together yet, but I don't, I don't think this team has enough offense to overcome the pitching struggles, especially without their ace who was bad at the end of the season, Dylan Bundy and an unproven Noah Syndergaard on a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just not enough to take out the to take the division title. They've had so much hype and they haven't done it. They haven't done with it done much with it yet. But again, this is a team you could see getting hot, right? That that's the only positive is this is this is a team you could see getting on hot streaks throughout the season and maybe turning some heads and maybe you know, it's one of those teams that like almost like the San Francisco Giants last year except with higher expectations, they could go on a run. The potential is at least there, but they're just not proven, and they don't have all the puzzle pieces to really uh, make a strong candidacy of why they're a playoff contender right now. But I, I'm right there with you. That being said, overall, the, the draft was interesting. I think we didn't have a ton of crossover. It was not a lot of, like, there was back and forth, but there was some interesting options. You could either go young or you could go guys that struggled that have been established in the past. And I think we both did a bit of a mix of that. Overall, what do you think about the draft? Yeah, I actually I, – I know Asher and I share different opinions on this stuff. But that, this is my favorite thing to talk about in baseball. I'm so excited to see what happens with these teams, especially my young guys, Kalenic, Kyle Lewis, Eric Haas, Alec Bohm. It, it makes me so excited to predict that they're they're going to be those guys next season that are at the top of boards when nobody saw it coming. So thrilled about this draft. Yeah. So at the end of the season, we'll add up the cumulative war of our teams and we'll see who wins. And when I do, uh, Omer will owe me something on live episode. So I'm sure you guys will. Be yeah. And we're, we're, we're keeping track of these drafts. We've got, I've got them written down on my computer. I know Asher will hope that I don't, uh, when the season ends because I'll have won all of them. Yeah. Okay. But, no chance. Um, no chance. It'll, it'll be like Amrit 10, Asher one, if he's lucky and we'll make Asher do something funny on, uh, on a podcast for you guys. At some point we're really, I'm l- really looking forward to that. I'm, I will not let him forget that. That is a promise I'm making to all of you guys and I will hold myself to it. I, you're these, the famous last words. I'm just saying famous last words because I were not only, are we going to get to the end of the season and tally up these drafts? I'm going to play this clip of audio back while you're sitting there with your head in your hands saying, why did I do this? All right? And time will tell, but I'm very confident about the two drafts. Obviously, we have a lot more coming. Um, and with the MLB and lockout, we're, we're doing more segments. We've got a segment later this episode that has nothing to do with the current season but should be very entertaining. Before we get there, though, it's time to do something that, you know, we talk a lot about on our Instagram. We do a lot of top 10 player lists per position. We're scrapping the position. We're doing top 10 player lists, period. And 
not pitchers, just hitters, because we find that comparison pretty pointless. We, we see some people try and do it, and it just it's not worth it. So top 10 hitters in baseball, but these are not over the past season. That's easy. That's a statistics game. This is for the future season, the coming 2022 season, which makes it interesting. It's opinion-based. Obviously, it's based on past performance as well. We're going to kick it off. I think we're just going to go 10-10-9-9-8-8 and just list off our top 10 players here, discuss it as we go, um, and see where we land, see if see how much similarity we have because these are the most established names, unlike the guys we just talked about. So it should be interesting. Let's get right into it. Top 10 player who's number 10 in baseball. Yeah, I want to – yeah, so – I know Asher's not going to be exactly thrilled about this list. We've had this argument before. But at number 10, I'm putting a guy that when he puts it all together will be an MVP in the future. I truly believe it. And that is Rafael Devers. He's my favorite player. So I'm putting it at 10 so people can't argue with me when I put him at 5 next season. Um, Be fully prepared for him to hit 300-plus this year with 40 bombs because he's done – a 311 season once, 38 home runs last year. It's coming for Devers. He's young. I think he's 24 right now. It's his season. That left side of the infield in Boston is outstanding. He will get MVP votes this year. Just watch. Devers at 10. Listen, here's the thing. I think Devers at his best, which I'd say is probably his 2019 season when he hit that 311 mark, I don't see him putting it together there this season. This is why I don't he's not on my board. I'm gonna I, I he's not number 10. He's not he's not he's not there at all because I do think he's very talented. I will not like debate that. There's there's no debate. Obviously he's got talent. He's gonna hit probably 30 plus home runs, which is no small feat. He's gonna have a good batting average. But to me, there's just too much talent in this league to put him on my board. That's why at number 10, I have somebody making a bit of a resurgence, actually. Mookie Betts, he's been absolutely dominant in the past few seasons, and that's been a bit of a decrease since the COVID season. That's okay. I expect him to get back on form. People, you know, it's easy to forget his name in a lot of these conversations because he is on the older side. He has a locked-up contract, which means he's not in really trade talks since he's on the Dodgers, and he's not in free agency talks. So he doesn't get enough attention. However, when you look at his statistics over the past few years and what he has done, no, I have a ton of confidence that he'll be back in the top 10 next season, number 10 Mookie Betts. Yeah, I, I see that. And I mean, I'm, I'm shaky on it. He's on, he's on my list. But I, I, we all remember his MVP season. He's incredible. He beat out a healthy Mike Trout, which is a, an impressive feat in itself. But he is not my number nine player. Um, that number nine player is the guy that, in my bold predictions on our Instagram post, I said will win the AL MVP this year. That is Wander Franco. Screw the sophomore slump. You, If you watch football, he's having a Joe Burrow-like season, but it's going to be better. It's going to be a 320, 330-plus season at least. I think he'll lead Major League Baseball in batting average, hit 25 home runs, may steal 15 bases. So mark your man, Wander Franco at nine. I, I said he'll be MVP, but of course it's a top 10 list. It's playing it safe by putting him at 9. He could totally be higher up, but he is just that good. 
yeah, I don't hate this pick just because it's young talent. You know, you you every year you see somebody emerge. So so I'm not surprised that he makes your list. And and frankly, I could see it happening. He put up good numbers as a rookie, as a freshman in the league. So yeah, he could do well, but sophomore slump is a possibility. And on top of that, you know, as pitchers start to figure him out a bit more, he's just not quite established enough. I'm looking over past statistics for me to put him on my top 10 list. I think, honestly, it comes down to there's, when it, when you're doing top 10 of all hitters, there's a lot of competition, a lot of fighting, and a lot of guys you have to pick off. And I just saw too much talent that's established in the league that is consistent. So my number nine, leading hitter in war last season, Trey Turner. Do I think he's going to do that again? No. But do I think he's going to put up a great season in a stacked, stacked lineup? Absolutely. He's going to have a lot of chances driving runs, a lot of chances to see pitches. Number nine, Trey Turner. Yeah, and I agree. I like that pick, but I actually think, um, and I actually think he's the best shortstop in that division as we're getting around to my pick for number eight. This one's probably going to get the most hate out of anything I'm going to say today, but it is Fernando Tatis Jr. And I know everybody's, he's exciting. Of course he is. He's, he's, still, he's, getting, he's getting the home play on fly balls to the second baseman, but... I'm not going to buy into that hype this year. I think it's a down year for him. I mean, we remember his amazing 2019 season. He came in and he had a 410 batting average on balls in play. He has such a high luck-based statistic, I feel like. He only hit 282 last season. That's good. Don't get me wrong. Hit 42 home runs. But it's time for a down year free swinger. He is, of course, not Javier Baez. He has more control than that. He walks more often. But this is not going to be the 40-40 season everybody's imagining. It's going to be that 25 steal, maybe 35 home run season that definitely puts him at a top 10 list. But it's not he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be the MVP this year, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have him as my MVP either, but I do have him on my list higher. I think he is going to be more consistent. It, I, But, you know, this is something that I don't disagree a ton with because I could see regression from him. I think also if the, you know, he feeds on energy, he's such an energetic player and he creates energy as well. If the Padres don't come out doing well and exceeding expectations based on last year's disappointment, I think, you know, you could not obviously forget his name. That's a huge overstatement, but his name could fall out of the conversation a bit if, you know, he's either in a slump or not doing too well, and the Padres as a team, again, struggle. I do think he is going to produce. And honestly, I don't see the home run numbers decreasing. He's got great barrel percentage in terms of he's got, he hits the ball hard. And, you know, for, for a smaller guy in terms of someone who can put up 40 home runs, I think that just shows his timing and his, and his raw power. So, I don't see it dropping to like the 25 mark like you were saying. I think because he's going to hit those home runs, he's going to be up there. Another home run hitter who I have at eight is Bryce Harper. This this one hurts. I've, I've hated on Bryce Harper for a while. He proved me wrong last season. He there's, there's no way around it. I like Bryce Harper. He's a player that, frankly, he, if he can hit for average like he did last season and mash the ball out of the park, He's a top hitter in baseball, and that's just a fact. He won MVP, and I don't think he – I think he absolutely deserved it, and I think he's going to be able to replicate. 
yeah, so again, I don't like Bryce Harper. I've made that opinion very clear. Um, I probably should have signed a Bryce Harper apology form last year, but that's sort of out the window when I'm making this list. Uh, again, he is in my top 20 players in baseball. That's out of the question. Um, it's hard to put a, a former, a, a reigning MVP below top 20. But the consistency he's shown throughout his career has consisted of him hitting, I think, 246 the year after his MVP and then 260. That doesn't work when you're trying to make sure somebody belongs in the top 10. So I respect your decision. I actually had him at 10 on my list for a while, and then I changed my mind. So, yeah, I I can understand it, but I don't think it's Bryce time this year. I I don't think he gets MVP votes. Yeah, I mean, I would be concerned about him if it was a breakout season. But like I I said to you earlier before the podcast, when we were discussing this a bit, you know, we didn't go in depth, but – He's been established. He's This isn't even his greatest season. So I think there is a chance that he's he, once he went through that slump and he worked hard to get back to it, I think we could see some consistency in the coming years. Who do you have at seven? Or, yeah, seven. Yeah, so I'm going, and I think this is the first overlapping pick. I know we're going to have a bunch overlap in the future, but I'm taking Mookie Betts, who you have at 10. And... I have much more confidence in his MVP because he did start improving last year. And obviously, he was incredible with the Red Sox. I already mentioned that earlier. It pains me, obviously, to talk about him in such a good light. But the only thing that makes you question this pick and not put him in the top five at all is last season. I think maybe that has to do with getting used to playing a full season with the Dodgers. It's hard to play in L.A. Obviously, we're seeing the Lakers struggle. And, I mean, the Dodgers didn't didn't make the World Series last year, didn't win it like they were expected to with such a stacked lineup. So I think I think he turns it around. He finds his uh, groove in L.A. this year. And I, he, I could see him getting MVP votes, but, again, not, not winning it. He'll be an all-star for sure, though, this year. Yeah, you know, obviously not going to disagree with this pick. 7 and 10 isn't too far apart. I think we see – Pretty similar numbers from him um, in in our predictions here. I think he's probably not going to fully return to form. That's why I'm a little lower. But at seven, somebody who is coming back for me, it's Acuna Jr. You know, the the talent is undeniable. So obviously you expect him to put up numbers. I think with the, uh, the only reason he's this low for me is because of the talent on this list when you get into the top five. And so, yeah, maybe he is a little low, but... I have to have Acuna at seven. I think he's he's just going to come back. There's not a lot to say about him. He's proven he can perform. He's exciting to watch, and he's going to perform again. Yeah, I, I agree with this pick. Again, at seven, I've, I've got him a little bit higher up my list. But coming off an injury, it's never totally easy against Major League pitching. But he's that, he's that talented so that although maybe a tiny bit of a learning curve to get back used to it, I don't see any reason why he doesn't finish as a top 10 player in baseball again after the year. And I mean, he's already in a Braves lineup, hopefully getting Freddie Freeman back. That's just won a world series. I'm sure he's looking to actually be a part of that this year. So I I think it's a a Cunha junior time in uh, Braves country for a while now. Yeah. Um, I'll take over the sixth pick here. I think this is, this might be a bit of a controversial one. Uh, because of the injuries and because I'm a Yankees fan. But I <laughs> I, I stick with this guy because of, of what raw power. I honestly believe there's not a player in the game that has more raw power than Aaron Judge. 
I I said it in bold predictions that I think he could uh, win the MVP. I think he could easily hit 40, 50 home runs if he's healthy and he's on it. And, you know, you look at expected batting average last year, and he should have been a 300 hitter. That's how hard he's hitting the ball. So I see Aaron Judge being a top 10 hitter. I have him at six, ahead of a lot of guys that you might expect to be higher. But I think he slots in nicely at the sixth spot. And I think you see what he's able to do when he's reaching his max. It's just a question of can he actually hit that potential with the injury. Well, it's a relief to me when when you said it was a Yankee. I was really afraid that you were going to say Gary Sanchez. I mean, guys, I'm sure he's got a shrine to him somewhere in his house. But, yeah, I I can understand this pick. Aaron Judge at six. I mean, if he comes back to that year, what, 2017, that was an 8.3 war year, then he totally could win MVP. He got robbed by uh, the cheater, Jose Altuve, that year anyway. But, um Again, I probably I had him as a top thirteen player. I had these three guys that I was really tempted to put on my list, and I put him, I put him as a top thirteen player. So yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I I'll accept Aaron Judge. All right, who's your six? And I'm, uh, for the record, I'm very glad to hear you accept it because I was since he's not on your list, I was expecting expecting a rebuttal there, but. Oh, yeah, I I don't think he can end up as a top 10 player in baseball this year because of injury and because of his strikeout rate. But again, there's always the opportunity with power hitters like him that have proven at some point in their career they can hit for average. There's always the opportunity to prove me wrong. So that's why I'm not going to make a big, huge deal about that pick. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But at my my six, I've got, as Asher mentioned, the war leader, the uh, the now new shortstop in, in... Los Angeles, Trey Turner. I mean, this guy is the real deal. He was an excellent trade piece for the Dodgers to acquire, and I think he can be a part of this World Series team that they're trying to build, especially because he won one in Washington. He knows the postseason. He's played well in the postseason before. This is the guy for the Dodgers, and he's got all the stats to back it up. He could lead. I think he would be my pick to win the or lead the major leagues in hits next year. So Trey Turner at six could bump up to top three player, especially with an injury to one of them at the end of the at the end of this season. Yeah, this is where I think that because last year was such a career season, I, I don't see him being quite above some guys uh that I have on my list. Um that's why I have him at nine, but I'm not gonna argue this one just because nine six again, bottom five of the top ten, and those are shuffable, you know, like people could move around in this list. Honestly, I like Trey Turner as a player. I think he's got speed. He can hit for he can hit for average, and he can hit the ball out of the park. So overall, you know, he, he deserves the credit he's getting. He deserves to be part of another World Series winning team if the Dodgers are able to pull that off. So I like Turner at six. Going to number five here, this is where I have to tease Junior. You know, like I said, I don't think we're gonna see a decrease in home run numbers. And I think the Padres are going to be more competitive down the stretch, which I think will actually help his numbers continue as he feels like, you know, if you got a strong support from the rest of your lineup, and I'm not saying he didn't have that, but if you've got a team that's winning a lot, you're probably going to have to see more pitches. So I don't see him regressing. I think with a better team, with a better record, he plays just as well. Again, he's eight on my list and he's five on yours, which is like, it's it's not a huge jump, but 
there are guys, there are people, major baseball fans that are saying this is the guy. He's number. He's the number one player in the world right now, and I, I just don't see it like that. I see regression coming, just not the significant regression that would leave him off this list. Which is why, which is why it's so difficult for me because I, I've always seen the stardom of Tatis, but I've never been a huge fan. Yeah, I I agree with that. You're, I I think you know Tatis is exciting, and that's why he gets hyped up as much as he does. He's gonna sell jerseys, but statistically, you know, down the stretch, he could be. I could see a regression in the future. Take me through your five, and then. Go to your four as well. Um, so I'm, I'm taking Acuna at five, and I just wanted to cite this stat real quick. Everybody remembers he got hurt. Um, this says on um, – everybody remembers when he got hurt. It was such a painful – I think he was hurt ran, running into the wall. But before that, what people don't seem to remember is that he was the NL MVP. He had a 4.2 war in 360 plate appearances – as a leadoff hitter for the Braves, probably getting close to double that. An 8.4 war blows Trey Turner's out of the water. That's NL MVP level right there. So I, I couldn't put him in my top five because, as you guys will see, there are four extremely good players in baseball. But I don't think the tier a tier ends with him. I think the top five tier starts with him right now, right here. So Acuna at five, but he fits almost interchangeably with the next four guys I'm going to talk about. And then... At my four, this is probably not going to be an extremely popular pick, with, uh, especially with uh, our, our fans up north from Toronto, but I'll, I'll take Vlad Guerrero. And this is so difficult. In different eras of baseball, um, if he had played like this last season or two seasons ago, he could probably be number one on the list. But there are three guys I just see as simply better baseball players than him. But he is going to compete with Acuna with Tatis, with Franco, with Devers to be the best player in baseball for the next 15 years, maybe not, maybe not 15 years, next 10 years while he's in his prime. So this is an easy one for me. He has to be in the top tier of baseball players. Yeah, absolutely. And this is congratulations to us. The first time we agree on the top 10. I also have Vlad at four here. And, and like you said, he he's, he's just got so much talent. He proved it last season. Um, you know, they moved him over to first, he, and he proved that he could hit the ball like everyone thought he could hit the ball. He's got that raw power, and he, he just slugs. And like I said, like you said, actually, the you would expect him to potentially be higher based on the numbers he put up last season, but it shows the depth of talent here at the very top. Vlad doesn't penetrate the top three because of who is who else remains on this board. But he is a great hitter, and he could have a better season than any of the three guys we're probably about to talk about here. Um, it's pretty given on who's left at this point. And that, that brings me to my three here, and it's it's Juan Soto. You know, absolutely phenomenal player for the Nationals. One of the best players at not chasing. And, and we've looked at this a lot, and this is why we love him so much. His O-swing percentage, which is his, basically his chase rate, is so low. He's getting in great hitters' counts. And then he's making pitchers pay. And he's walking a ton, which if you're a patient hitter and you're okay with walking a ton, do it, right? Do it because it helps the team so much. It extends innings. It moves runners over. It's a free base, literally. So, you know, why take a chance if you can draw walks? Juan Soto does it, like, better than probably anyone else in the league. 
And uh, he's he's a clear top three player to me. His bat is going to carry him for – and his eye, frankly, is going to carry him for years to come in this Indian majors. Yeah, so I'm going to shave my spiel on Juan Soto till I actually say his name in my list. Um, I All I'll say about this right now is I've been working on Asher. I've been working on everybody listening, everybody on our Instagram account for, uh, for forever that Juan Soto is the best hitter in baseball. So I'll leave it at that right now, and I'll go to my number three. Um, and that's Mike Trout. And again, this is incredible to me that I managed to find a way to put him at three. But looking at my next two picks, I think it's understandable, actually. So Trout at three means that although he's one of the great – he's the greatest player uh, of this generation and probably a top ten player of all time when he retires – he there's just been it seems like guys that are constantly a little bit better than him every year like the Mookie Betts MVP year and you also look at his stats the year he did, uh hasn't won MVP they're actually better than the year he had years he has won MVP which is insane to me this guy is all around consistent all around great player he's an athlete he'll steal bases he'll rob your home runs definitely a top three player incredible incredible player yeah I mean. Honestly, this is probably where we're going to have the biggest disagreement of the episode here. Um, because Mike Trout at three, is it's just not right to me. And the reason being, while I think Juan Soto is great, and he's going to have a great season, Mike Trout, when you look at what he's done in baseball, and I'll talk about this more when I get to him, but he's the consistency, he's more consistent than any player of our generation by far, than any player in most generations, and like you said, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, he didn't play a lot in 2021. It doesn't matter. He's going to be back. He's still only 29 in 2021, which means 2022, 30 years old. Sure, he's not prime, but 30 should not be an Like, honestly, you can see insane numbers at 30 years old. So we'll, we'll talk more about Trout at the end here. I'll go to my two here, though. And this is a bit controversial because a lot of people, you know, based on last season, will have him one. But I'm, I'm taking Shohei Otani at two, and I'm leaving Trout at one. And the reason being is this. Shohei Otani, and yes, we're talking top ten hitters, but when you talk about Shohei Otani, you include the pitching. We decided you can't just take half of him. It makes no sense. You get him as a full player. You get him as a pitcher and a hitter. So... While he could be in the conversation for top 10 best pitchers, it's fair to put him in the conversation as a whole player in top 10 best hitters. Even with his pitching and hitting war combined, sure, it was insane. It was eight something, you know, and I could see those numbers increasing if he pitches and hits even better. Last last season, you know, he only hit 257. Sure, he hit 46 home runs, but he also... I believe didn't pitch like he pitched to around a three ERA. So those numbers could increase and he could be even better. But what I, what I will say is that even with those numbers combined, he had an 8.1 war and Mike Trout over the past like 10 seasons has had higher than an 8.1 war in like eight consecutive seasons preceding the COVID season. From 2012 to 2019, Mike Trout posted wars above 8.1. And so even with what was super insane a season, pitching and hitting by Shohei Otani, Mike Trout still had a higher wins above replacement, and that's what teams are trying to get the 
the number. Wins above replacement correlates to everything. So that's why I have Mike Trout at one over Shohei Otani. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about my two here first before I get to my one. And however much this pains me, my number two is Juan Soto. And I, I said, I t- I'll tell you guys why this is. And Juan Soto walked 145 times last year. A fan favorite named Javier Baez has walked 151 times in his career. Is that not an insane number to you? You think about the significance of that. And I, I apologize. I got that number wrong. It's 156 for Baez on his career, although that doesn't make much of a difference to the argument we're making here. He's walked 11 more times in his career, in his career that started in 2014 than Juan Soto. This is not to rail on Baez right now. Juan Soto is simply the best pure hitter we have seen in this game in a long time, and I know people are going to hate me for saying that. They're going to bring up Mike Trout. They're going to bring up Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, all of these guys. He does everything well. He is going to be a guy that eventually hits above 360 in this league. I believe he will be the closest guy to 400 this league will see again. Nobody will ever have a batting average higher than Juan Soto's after his time. That is an incredible statement to make, but when he had 351 in 2020, I knew this was something I was going to talk about. He struggled at the start of last season with the injury. He had 313. I mean, he walked 22% of the time. That's insane. A 6.6 war is extremely respectable. I mean, Steamer is projected 7.2 next season. He is the best hitter in baseball. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if I had my way, he would be a unanimous Hall of Famer when he gets in, obviously without injury and obviously playing up to my projections. But this guy is extremely good. He doesn't strike out. Um, He's going to hit a ton of home runs, 37, 38, 39, 40 next year. Um. Yeah, that's that's what I've got to say on the matter about Soto. I'm passionate. I well, I hear that, and and I think that you could be right about all these things. I, I really do, and that's why I respect probably more than anyone else. I respect the argument over Trout. That being said, he's not your number one. Yeah, my number one is Shohei Otani because. Of the pitching and the hitting. Now, I don't think he even makes the list necessarily as a hitter. Maybe you put him at 10 or 9, especially when he's only going to hit 260 next season, probably. But I will take the addition of a 260-270 hitter that admittedly could hit 50 home runs and a guy with a 3 ERA on my team. Hold on a second. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to pay a guy that has a 3 ERA. I'm going to pay him, what, 10 years? Uh, 250 million seems pretty reasonable. If he's going to have a consistent three ERA, people have been paid that before. A hitter that hits 50 home runs in a season and uh, uh, hits 260. I mean, we remember Chris Davis got paid a ton of money. He got like 20 million a year. So you all you combine those two contracts. He's a guy worth at least 45 million a year according to Major League Baseball contracts. He's a left-handed hitter that's hitting next to Mike Trout. We're going to have to remember that and. Of course, Mike Trout's proven it perennial, or every year he's played uh, healthy. So they're going to pitch to Shohei. Imagine them having to pitch to Shohei in a lineup. Usually he's the guy you have to avoid. He's going to be great next season. He's obviously not going to be the best hitter in baseball or the best pitcher in baseball, but he's going to be the AL MVP, and that's the important part. 
Yeah, well, honestly, when barring any injury, when is he going to lose the MVP is the question. Because if he does what he does, which is hit 40-plus home runs, which, you know, it's no small feat. It's not That's not a guaranteed season, but pitch to a sub-4 ERA on top of that, okay, there's no one who does it better. There's no one who's more valuable. However, wins a, this is why I don't have him as number one, is because we saw that last season. We saw 40 home runs. We saw sub-40 ERA. Wins above replacement still has Trout as a better player. And I'm not saying that he's necessarily more valuable because of this reason. But I would like to see maybe hitting for a bit more average from Shohei. Sure, 257 average isn't horrible. And especially if you're going to hit 40, 50 home runs. That being said... He, I mean, he is my number two. I'm not, I'm not discrediting him in any, any way. He's my number two hitter slash player in baseball right now. But Trout, there's, there's some consistency here, and this is why I have, this is why I have him over Soto. You don't put up, and and if I just read out these wars, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, ten point one, ten point two, eight point three, nine point three, nine seven, six eight, nine six, eight four. These are back-to-back seasons. Any one of these is a career year for any other hitter in baseball. And that's why I still think when it comes down to it, what does does this team hurt more when they lose Trout or hurt more when they lose Otani? That's tough to say because of the pitching aspect and because of the team. But a team in general, I think, loses more if they lose Trout than if they lose Otani. Maybe not the Angels because of their lack of pitching. But in general, I say Otani still brings more to this roster. Or Trout does, sorry. Even you're, you're getting confused here on who's bringing more to this roster. It's because you never are going to see a guy like this. If he stays healthy, he will go down as a better baseball – not a better baseball player. That's impossible to say. Babe Ruth is widely considered by many as the greatest of all time. His name will be planted right next to what, the greatest of all time, not in my opinion, but in most people's player of all time. Shohei Otani and Babe Ruth, that's the end of the list. There, there have been guys that have tried it. I think I think his name maybe for the Rays was Brendan McKay. Yeah. He's only a pitcher now. He doesn't hit anymore. He's not in the major leagues. It didn't work out. You're not going to find any guys like this for a while. It took 100-plus years to get here again. Shohei Otani isn't necessarily Babe Ruth. He's not going to hit 700 home runs, but he is going to plant himself right next to his name, especially because of his pitching ability that he's going to do for his entire career. That's my take on Shohei Otani. I think the Angels have two of the top three players in baseball, and they're going to stay that way for the rest of the season. Yeah. And it's a shame that they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> that is just the worst. We all want to see Shohei and uh, Mike Mike Trout in the playoffs, and it's not going to happen. And it just makes me so sad the Angels signed Mike Trout to a long-term deal because I would love to see him somewhere else. Assuming it's not in pinstripes, that would be amazing. I would love to see him in pinstripes. You know, I think, I think Fenway would be an amazing place for Mike Trout to play, but that's not going to happen, which is sad. I, I it's disappointing that we didn't get Shohei when he was on the market. He wanted to play somewhere warm, I think was his big reason. Honestly, fair play to the guy. He can play wherever he wants. But you know, like like you said, he's a general generational talent. 
you believe Soto will be a generational talent. I, I agree with that. Mike Trout obviously is already a generational talent. These top three, as much as Vlad is great, as much as Tatis, Acuna, Judge, Turner, Betts are great, there is still a drop-off between these top three and the rest of baseball because they're just they're doing something that's nearly impossible. So those are our top 10 players. Let us know what you think. I'm very excited to hear the opinions. It's very exciting to talk about these talents in this way because we're never going to see players like this. These are are the players we're going to be telling future generations about. These are our Babe Ruths, like you pointed out. That being said, not every great player goes down in history without debate. And we're kicking off a new segment where we're going to call it, I don't know what we're going to call it, but basically we're going to have an all-out war, an all-out debate about one topic, 10 minutes. I'm going to put a timer on my phone. We're going to call it quits. Otherwise, this would go on for hours. And the first debate of our new segment, and you know, maybe we put this in its own mini-episode. I don't know what we're going to do with this, but if you're still here after after this podcast, Get ready, because this is going to be like no other segment we've done. The topic for today is Derek Jeter. And it's hard to to actually pin down exactly what we're debating. We're debating debating his reputation. We're debating him as a player, what he did, all things Derek Jeter. I'm the Yanks fan. I I believe he is one of the greatest shortstops of all time. And Omri Brown, he, he does not share that opinion. That being said, I'm starting the clock. Amrit, um, you can kick us off right now. Derek Jeter, give me your thoughts. Okay, I mean, I've been excited to make this argument for forever. And I mean, he is one of the most overrated players of all time. Now, I'm not telling you that he shouldn't be in a Hall of Famer. I think he probably is a Hall of Famer. I'm not telling you that he's not clutch. I wanted to get ahead of those arguments before uh, Asher even gets close to them. I'm telling you that I agree with Carlos Correa on one thing in this world, and that is Derek Jeter is a poor defender. He is actually a terrible defender. You look at his fielding, his zone rating. Although he made clutch plays, there are other shortstops that would have gotten to that spot faster, gotten to the outfield spot faster than Derek Jeter. It would have looked less impressive, but they would have made the plays also. So Derek Jeter, he gets all this credit for his defense. He's gotten all these gold gloves. He had no range. And that is why he simply... When you, when you take away the fielding aspect of his play, he is a Hall of Famer. He is a good hitter. He hit well in the postseason. But he is by no means a 99.7, almost uh, unanimous agreement Hall of Famer in my mind. All he right, is not right. one of the greatest fielders listen, of all time. Listen, I've let you go on. In your mind, you have to understand listen, that point. Listen, I've let you go on with this for, for a minute too long, frankly. this you, You've gone ahead of some arguments, and I'll give you that, but – Frankly, you're, you're spitting garbage, and, and this is why, okay? This I'll is, tell you what was garbage. Listen, listen. Derek Jeter's fielding. You're, you're wrong for so many reasons. Derek Jeter was not the greatest fielder of all time. I will let you have that, but I'm not here to argue whether or not his defensive run saves could have been better in the metrics. Here's what I'm here to argue. I'm here to argue that he was one of obviously one of the most successful players of all time and that he led a great team, like you said, He's a Hall of Famer. He's clutch. He's one of the best batters of all time. His offense is undeniable. Sure, he's hyped up. He's got tons of fans, and that's why you can call him overrated. I'll give you that it's possible to call a player that has that much hype overrated. 
It's possible to call Tatis overrated. It's possible to call, uh, so uh, maybe not Soto. He hasn't gotten the attention, but it's possible to call a lot of great players overrated because they have such huge fan bases. The thing about Derek Jeter is he was the captain of this team, and he brought a ton to the field. That being, and like you said, this cannot be quantified in stats, what he did for this team. First of all, he had a cannon of an arm. He didn't make errors. He made the sure play. So he, I don't believe he was hurting this team on defense. People could make the argument, but I, I don't believe he was hurting the team on defense. And he was the leader of this clubhouse in the postseason, in the regular season. He was a key aspect of why the Yankees won those World Series. And if you can be a main reason why a team wins World Series, you can't be overrated because you got the job done. Okay, hold on. Let me, let, me, let, me just, let me just stop you there before we get ahead of ourselves here. Derek Jeter was not always the reason they won. Alex Rodriguez, although I hate him even more, uh, had a better war over the span, that span where they were winning World Series. Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer of all time, was on that team. The reason Listen. they were winning all of those World Series is because they had the most money during that time. That is what we're hitting our head on right now. Derek Jeter was winning because of the Yankees' money. Sure, he made clutch plays, but there are so many guys you put in that scenario. I mean, David Ortiz is up for the Hall of Fame right now. Are you saying he should be a first ballot unanimous guy because he was clutch in the playoffs? Because he was more clutch than Jeter as far as I can remember. Okay, well, that's that's absolutely debatable. Ortiz was a great player and a great postseason player, but he is no more of a Hall of Famer than Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. And like you said, Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. But here's where you're wrong. You said the Yankees won those World Series about money, and that's that's a whole other debate that we could talk about for another two hours, and maybe we'll have that 10-minute discussion. But when you look at the teams in the past five seasons, past history, the majority of winning teams have had big payrolls. That's facts. The Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, they've had big payrolls. The Astros, they've had big payrolls. And that's how baseball works. Unfortunate, but it's true. Sabermetrics gets the raise so far. It gets the A's so far. And yes, the Yankees had good teams based on money. I'm not disagreeing with that. But Derek Jeter, first of all, you have to understand, offensively, he produced so much in his season. He was a great hitter, and he he was the definition of a true leadoff hitter. He got on base reliably, and he was he he just consistently did that for years, for season after season after season. So you cannot tell me that his defensive range brings that caliber of player down that much, especially when he's bringing postseason excellence, leadership, and was one of the most loved players in baseball. He brought so many fans the seats he brought he sold so many jerseys they that also plays into it he was a huge aspect of this wait wait, 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 wait. Hold, on, hold on hold on he brought fans into the seats and he bought jersey he got jerseys bought by fans that that doesn't bring that doesn't isn't at all relevant to this argument are you kidding me this Here's is argument about over he's overrated or not you're telling me you trust the fans I'm telling, you that when, when, I'm telling you that when you have That's a different metrics, you got to be kidding me. Derek Jeter, he, he has the 89th worst defensive war of all time. There were only 88 worst defenders in history, according to one of the most reliable stats on the market, ever than Derek Jeter, ever, Asher, ever. When you have, and the reason why I brought the fans into the into the scenario is because, yeah, he got an entire fan base around him. And, yes, that is important in baseball. That is important. When you go to an Orioles game and there's 13 people in the seats, 
you're not getting a lot of exciting play. Yeah, yeah, but there were still 13 players in the seats when Manny Machado was there. There were 13 players and people in the seats seeing Cedric Rollins become an all-star last year. It's a terrible market. New York's always going to have people in the seats. It's New York. You remind me every single day that you all have 27 rings. New York won 27 rings, and that's why they – your money. No. Okay. If yes. You make, if you make that argument, then – the Red Sox World Series is Oh, I'm not going to deny it, but you better not deny it either. The Dodgers World Series is because of money. The Astros World Series is because of money. We can make that argument, but it's going to get us nowhere. The Yankees won 27 World Series, and that, that's a whole other topic. Yes, Derek Jeter was not defensively did, – did not have the defensive range, did not have the defensive credit that he's that people thought he did when he was playing because the stats weren't there. Here's what I will say. I've come to ex- – I think me and many other fans have come to accept that Derek Jeter was not some defensive phenomenon, barring the fact that he made plays when it mattered. But besides the fact that he wasn't a defensive phenomenon, you still say to yourself, okay, take the defensive away. Look at what he did on offense. Look at what he did on the postseason. He's still one of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, let's just be clear that there are nine guys on a baseball field when you're fielding at one time. There's a guy hitting. There's a bunch of guys in the dugout. There's a bunch of guys in the bullpen. This is not a single man's effort. There's a 40-man roster, I mean 26th in the postseason, that are competing to win these rosters, or win these World Series. Winning a World Series is not like handing a quarterback a ring in football and saying, this is mainly because of you, or, or even the star player on an NBA basketball team. There are a bunch of guys that contribute to this. It's not all about Derek Jeter. It's not all about him. He's not the one who single-handedly won these World Series. He played a major part in it, don't get me wrong. But World Series should not be given credit in this argument because Mike Trout, a better, Mike Trout is a better player than Derek Jeter, but he hasn't won a World Series. He hasn't won a playoff game. He absolutely wasn't the reason they won a World Series. But his defense did not cost them games. And, yes, they, he might have cost them. You have no proof for the, that. Show me one thing, one thing that says, sure, he made those great plays. He was a smart baseball player. But if he had the range of, heck, some random shortstop today, Xander Bogers, Tatis, any of these guys, that he that the Yankees wouldn't have won more games or wouldn't have won uh, the World Series faster. You don't have any proof of that. No, but I think it's fair to say that when you look at, and I'm not saying the shortstop position and defense doesn't factor into baseball, but it's so obvious an offensive game when you have defensive skill around the horn. This is a fact of baseball. We look at players today, and when we look at how good they are and whether or not they're getting a free agent signing, it's offensive focus. Ward is an offensive focus stat. Sabermetrics are offensive focus stats. And the reason being is because while defense is important, if you are a competent fielder who doesn't make errors, who has a good arm, then your offense can so overwhelmingly be more impactful than your defensive range. That's a fact. People aren't getting $300 million contracts because they have a higher defensive range. And Derek Jeter was a valuable piece because of his offense and because he was a reliable fielder. So while he wasn't maybe helping the Yankees win on defense, he wasn't hurting them. And he was absolutely a key part of the lineup on offense. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why he's an All-Star. And that's why he won games. And that's why 10 minutes just passed on the dot.
I hate that you got the last word. Although I'm going to respect, respect the segment. I'll respect Thank the segment. You. Thank you. Thank you. That was I'll say we'll have this on our Instagram. If you guys are listening, make sure you go check this poll out. This will be the first poll I post. Um, we'll post two, whichever one, uh, this one, and then whichever of our teams we just drafted you guys think is better. But this will be the first one up. And it'll be, is Derek Jeter overrated or is he, this is Asher's turn to make his argument. Underrated, rated correctly. What's it going to be? Just say the words. Don't give me your defense. I'll respect the segment and not give my defense. I, I'll say rated correctly. Okay. That's going to be on our Instagram poll. I expect you all to go vote. Outside of Red Sox versus Yankees, this is going to be a major, that's going to be a major episode later, closer to the season. This is the biggest debate we always have. I have a feeling that in a year's time, we're just going to have to do another one of these 10-minute segments on Derek Jeter. But I that was so. that was fun. I think I, I, I think you guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. I, I have a feeling that it was ununderstandable. <laughs> oh, man. You guys should hear us. I mean, I was on my, I was on my trip to Florida over winter break. We were up at 1 and one thirty in the morning going over the Red Sox and Yankees bullpen, some random guys, comparing which one had better stats when they were four years old, probably. So I'd be going to at this stuff. Honestly, I'd, I'd be surprised if the, if the audience can even decode what we just said in those 10 minutes. It was sheer chaos, but, you know, that's what we were going for. So hopefully, hopefully between just the shouting over each other, there was a few words that got in. We're happy to hear your opinions. Obviously, while it does get heated, no bad blood between us. We love doing this. Um, and, yeah, that was a ton of fun. That's been a great episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one.